Hi everyone. Welcome to your next stop. You guys know every week I always say this. I am excited to bring someone that has followed a passion and turned it into a business. And this week is no other, the same kind of journey and story, but this is going to bring you a little bit of a different kind. This is a woman. Her name is Trisha Nelson. How are you, Trisha? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Welcome to your next stop. This is Juliet Hahn. I am a wife, mom, virtual coach, public speaker, and crazy obsessed dog lover. I am so honored to be able to take you into the life of someone that has followed a passion. Every week, I hope you are as inspired as I am. Welcome to your next stop. This is going to take you into a journey a little bit more of the mental. And so I'm excited for you guys to hear Trisha's story. So welcome to your next stop. And um, I'm excited for you to be able to share. I know you've had a pretty crazy journey and what you have done with emotional eating and you know where you've done that with your business is pretty cool. So welcome. And I would just love for you kind of just start at the top and just take us through your story. Sure. Yeah. I was an emotional eater, I think from the get go, which of course I didn't know. So, um, I thought I just liked food, but really Juliet, from the very beginning of my life, as far back as I can remember, I really liked food. <laughs> like food, is, <laughs> food is a big highlight for me. So I love to cook. I love to serve it to other people. I love to go out to dinner. I would have heart palpitations when we were going out to dinner. I was so excited. So it was a big highlight for me. And of course, I like to eat and it wouldn't have been a problem. But by adolescence, I was really packing on the pounds. And by age 21, I was 50 pounds overweight. And it was a problem for me. I was not okay with it. I had this roll in my tummy that I would scrunch up in my hands and imagine cutting off like you cut fat off the side of a steak. And, and I imagined getting some disease where I'd automatically lose weight without dieting. Or I even thought, oh, maybe I'll join the army and I'll be forced to exercise at boot camp because I hated to exercise. <laughs> so some pretty, right. some pretty crazy stuff. Um, but that was really just representative of the fact that no matter what diet I tried, it always put the weight back on. So I had like, I was a yo-yo dieter. So I like gained 30, lose 20, gain 10. And I had like five different sizes of pants in my closet because I never knew what size I'd be. So that's how it went for me. And I got really discouraged. And I just felt like, oh my God, like, I'm such a loser for one thing because I can't lose. <laughs> and um, and I, I felt like everybody gets it but me. And come to find out, you know, 98% of all diets fail. So I was actually in really good company. But at the time, I had no idea. And I just blamed myself. And what happened was I just came to this bottom, this place where I just thought, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Like this yo-yo thing. Um, it's not healthy. And it's discouraging as health because I'm, it's not like I'm sitting around eating bonbons, you know, like just not giving it a try. I mean, I was doing everything I possibly could and still, you know, coming up with, with no results. And so what happened was, is I met somebody who showed me that my problem was emotional eating, that it wasn't like lack of knowledge. I mean, I knew 
salads were better than pizza, <laughs> like better for you. Right. <laughs> but I wanted right, the right, pizza. Right. I wanted the pizza and the cookies and everything else. So, so what happened was that I started to address and heal the underlying causes, and that changed everything for me. And I've been blessed to, you know, be in a thin body for several decades. And then I started working with my mentor to help others. So that's how Heal Your Hunger came about. Is five years ago I started my business called Heal Your Hunger, and uh, and helping women all around the world to address and heal emotional eating. That's awesome. So I have, I have a ton of questions. So if you've listened to any of my podcasts, I am very curious. My listeners know I want to dive back into your childhood. So you said, you know, you loved food and you know, I feel like we all can relate to that. You know, I grew up with uh, talent. My mom was half Italian, half Irish. Everything was, you know, a celebration. It was, you know, when you got together with family, it was food. You know, I know my husband's family is the same way. That's how we all, you know, uh, you know, break bread, we connect, we it's a community thing. Um, and so I know also a lot of my guests that I've had on um, a few of them, I should say not a lot of them, talk about the relationship, you know, the the benefits of the relationship of food. So it's always interesting to hear both sides where some people can, right, use food as, hey, we're getting together. I love, you know, trying this, but they don't put the, the weight on. Some of it, I truly believe is genes, right? Some people have better genes than others. And then others, it's the emotional. So I would love to like kind of dive back into your childhood were either of your parents overweight or, you know, did you have relatives that were very overweight and um, did it stem from that? Cause I know that, you know, the statistics show if there's, you know, if there's parents that are both overweight, the children, you know, have a higher chance of becoming overweight, et cetera, et cetera. Again, genes really play. I really believe in, in that as well. So can you take us through that a little bit? Totally. Yeah. I totally had the genetics, you know, the the cards were stacked against me. I, um, both my parents had, they were chubby growing up. So they had, you know, the propensity to gain weight easily. And I do too. I mean, I can look at chocolate cake and gain five pounds, you know? So, So, and that's to this day. I mean, my metabolism is not as fast as other people's all the more reason why I had to dive deep and really heal at a deeper level. So basically I have two older sisters. We're all emotional eaters. Okay. So we all got it and we're all actually on a healing path. Thank God. And my parents actually ended up losing weight. They did the Pritikin diet in the eighties and they, you know, cut fat out is when fat was the, the, the <laughs> right. fat was the evil um, ingredient right. back then. And so they lost a bunch of weight and never gained it back. But I, you know, because I did have the genetics, I gained weight really easily. And so, you know, that's how it was, but it wasn't just, you know, it's nature nurture, you know, it wasn't just the, the, the physical part of it, but it was also the emotional. None of us dealt with anything. We all buried our feelings in one way or another. You know, there was a lot of suppression of emotions and a lot of, you know, things were coming out sideways and not to say, not to mention trauma. So both my, my sisters had sexual abuse from a family friend and I had it from a relative. So we all were dealing with that, which of course, again, you know, (laughs) stacks the cards against you. So, so yeah, we had a lot going on and I, you know, my healing journey included dealing with all that stuff. And um, I, I went to therapy, but I didn't really make the strides I needed to in therapy per se. So the work, the healing work that I did 
it was a necessary part of my journey to deal with everything that was standing between me and feeling really good about myself, feeling really good about my body. Well, and I think, thank you for sharing that because I know it's not always easy, but the other thing is, I think it's really important, you know, talking it because I know many listeners are listening, right? Whether people are struggling with emotional eating, whether it's drugs, whatever, you know, whatever it is, alcohol, there's so many different things that we, um, stuff. This is what I always tell, like, you know, this is something that comes up on my podcast a lot. And I always say to my kids, like, if I feel like they're having emotion, like, are you stuffing it? Cause if you stuff it, it's going to come out somewhere else. And I think it's so true. And it's so, it seems so easy, right? It seems so easy. And I know, you know, it doesn't matter. You could be the most level-headed, even person, didn't have a lot of trauma in your life. Um, and you could still have things where you stuff because you don't know how to react. And so I think it's really important. And this is what I say to my listeners and my clients all the time is that you really need to sit right? You need to sometimes just sit with it. If you're having something instead of, you know, we we all get that little bit of anxiety. I know around the holidays, of course, you know, we all love the holidays. However, I shouldn't say we all, but you know, majority of people love the holidays, but then holidays also bring on a certain stress, right? And so, you know, I always will say to people like, you have to sit within, like, if you're feeling something, you're feeling like, okay, I'm getting a little anxious. Don't just go to the cabinet or don't just go, you know, to the refrigerator. And I have to say, I mean, I'm guilty of that too. If I, I I always can tell, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm eating. We have healthy food in the house because if we didn't, I would eat it. So my kids know, like I love sweets. And so I will find myself those snacking and I'm like, what am I doing? And it's like a nervous, sometimes nervous energy or boredom. So can you kind of touch on the boredom versus the emotional eating versus, you know, the trauma eating. Cause I feel like there's a kind of three levels. And again, I'm not an expert in this, but I just know from my experience and seeing other people's experience, sometimes someone might be listening to this and say, well, wait a second, maybe I had trauma that I don't realize and I'm stuffing it, but it's really that they're just doing it out of boredom or out of habit. I think habit sometimes, you know, like if you have that sweet after lunch every day for a week, you're going to crave it and you're just going to do it and you have to break that habit. And it's, it's hard. It's not easy. So when someone is doing, as you said, having emotional eating or eating trauma, however it is, boredom eating, and they're doing it every day, it's also going to be harder to break because now it's become a habit and it's, it goes a little deeper. So do you mind addressing that? Yeah, no doubt. Um, it's definitely habitual. And if you've been doing it for decades, you know, you're not going to stop on a dime. Um, and chances are you're going to need support and coaching, you know, and that's, that's what I needed. And because, especially because you have to eat, you know, it's, it's one thing with alcohol is your vice, you know, you can put the plug in the jug and then you don't have to deal with it anymore. But food, I always say it's like taking the tiger out of the cage three times a day, trying to pet the kitty and then get it back in the cage without getting your ass right. torn off. You know, <laughs> so right. not very easy to do, especially without support. So, um, but I will say it in, in, in regarding the boredom issue, I have a little reframe on that because um, I people tell me all the time I eat when I'm bored and I get it, but bored is like, it's just sort of an umbrella term and it's, I like to dig into it. Like, so here's the deal. Emotional eaters, you know, overeaters tend to be overdoers. So we're super, it's, it's part of our nature to, to fill our schedule, stuff our schedule, if you will, with things to do. be on the run, be on the go, always, you know, getting stuff done because that 
feeds us. That feeds us on a level. It sort of builds our sense of ourselves when we're busy and when people give us the atta girls, like, oh, look at you, you get so much done, or, or we couldn't have done it without you, you know, all this kind of ego filling. And the problem is when we have a lull where we, we don't have something to do, where we're not on the go all the time, that's when feelings come up. And so, uh, and so what may seem like boredom can be just being uncomfortable with inaction, you know, just being uncomfortable with being because we're so accustomed to doing all the time. And my mentor told, told me early on, hey, you're a human being, not a human doing, you know, because I just, I was uncomfortable with not doing, you know, and not getting the accolades from that. So um, in the moment, I just really challenge people to, like you said, to just try being, like try sitting, but notice what comes up. And it, it's just an, a, an unease with not being busy. And I think we are, we do tend to be addicted to busy, um, but busy drives our eating because when we're stressed and we're tapped out, you know, our adrenals are tapped out because we're doing too much. We're, you know, burning the candle at both ends, especially when we're entrepreneurs. I know that jam, you know, (laughs) (laughs) there's always something else to do and and we've got to get one more thing done before we go to bed, you know, on our computers, you know, and, and it does drive the nighttime eating. It drives the stress eating eating because if we're not taking time for ourselves in self-care, you know, then we are burnt out and we're needing quick energy. And the best thing you can do for quick energy is grab some snacks, you know, chocolate or chips or, you know, peanuts or whatever, but that's how we pack on the pounds unconsciously. So it's just really important to realize that boredom may be just really being uncomfortable with being. And that is something we do need to start practicing. I love that you just laid that out like that. Cause my mom and my mom would be right now going, yes. My mom would always say, if my kids were like, oh, I'm bored. My mom would say a, like a mind. My mom was a kindergarten teacher. A mind that is smart is never bored. Like you, you should never be bored. And so when I said that word, I was like, oh, I like heard my mom in my head being like, no, no, no one's ever bored. But I think the way you laid that out was so perfectly, beautifully said, because it's so true. It is, it is more of a busy thing. And right now with, you know, uh, with life just being fast paced, even though, you know, things have not completely opened up, but as we found other things to be busy about, right? Because sitting again, when you sit, sometimes we sit and we are uncomfortable sitting in the silence and the listening because we're like, whoa, what's going to happen there? And it's the unknown of that sitting. So I I love that you just said that. The other thing that I want to kind of touch on is the fact that some people don't understand what it's like to be hungry or full, right? So I would love for you to talk about like, I will have, you know, um, back in the day, I was a health and fitness coach. And so I really worked on the fitness more, more than anything. But I would have a client say like, well, I'm, I'm really hungry. And I'm like, okay, well, when was the last time you ate? Well, a couple hours ago. I'm like, okay, you're not, you're not really hungry. You need to, that's just your stomach getting prepared. But can you talk about that? Because again, I think that's so important where sometimes people don't realize they're full because they keep eating and your body hasn't adjusted to say, Hey, wait, I am full. Or the fact again, how long, you know, should I be eating and all these fads of diets? Like you should eat every two hours, you should eat every three hours. And people are like, Oh, but I don't know what my body's feeling. Talk a little bit to that, please. Yeah, I love that question. Um, I recommend something to my clients. I mean, I'm not a nutrition coach. So, you know, most of the people 
people come to me because they're chronically dieting, they're, you know, and tired of it, but they're not lacking in nutritional information. You know, they know what's good for them. They know it's not good for them, but they can't follow through on what they know. So that's, that's the gap I, that I, I work on filling. So I recommend something is really the only food advice I give, which is a, a way of eating, which is called three meal magic, which is three meals with nothing in between. And this is so important. First of all, the whole idea, I, I really find the whole like five or six meals a day thing, you know, that's kind of like, that's on its way out. Like, I, I don't know any health gurus now that are really into that. Like it is more of a, you, you know, definitely intermittent fastings in, but other other than that, you know, just three meals, nothing in between. The nothing in between is so important for our digestion because our digestion needs time to do its job. You know, if we keep kind of filling the pipeline, it's harder for it to do its job. But I recommend the three meals because the space in between the meals is when we start to have hunger and feelings, you know, and if we're snacking all through the day, guess what? We're numb and we have no idea what we're feeling. If we don't know what we're feeling, we can't deal with it, you know? And so for me, it's more of a function of let's get acquainted with our feelings. Like, so stop like just stuffing and have some space. And yeah, we will have some hunger pains and we shouldn't be afraid of it. We shouldn't be trying to shut that down because it's very informative. You know, if we have stuff going on, if there's something, you know, that we're unsettled about, if there's something we're angry about, if we had a conversation that didn't go right, you know, we need to deal with it. And if we don't deal with it, it will deal with us. And so I find that that space between the meals is so important. And if we do get accustomed to it, like where we're not afraid of feeling a little bit of hunger and we have new tools, you know, to deal with that space between the meals, then we can learn, like we can retrain our bodies, you know, and our brains to be okay with not eating, you know, and we won't have the, the alerts go off, like the red flags, like, oh my God, I'm starving. And I'll still do it, Juliet. Like I'll, like I've been in, I've been in this game doing this work for 30 years and yet I'll still be sitting at my computer and I'll go, I'm starving, (laughs) you know? And then I'm like, "Uh, hold on a second here. Like you had had a really good, healthy breakfast. It was only a couple hours ago. You're probably not starving. Like, let's unpack this a bit. And then I'll get to look like what's really going on up. There's a phone call I don't want to make, or I have to do my dreaded taxes or whatever. And it's like, I want to avoid and I want to not feel it's amazing. And, right. I, and I'm, and I'm good at feeling like I embrace feeling now. I, I have big, I have a big container for emotions. They don't kill me. I, I know this. And yet I'll still be like, no, no, I'm starving really. <laughs> right. Well, because it's also, you know, as we've grown um, up and we're used to certain things and we're also wired, right? Some people are more sensitive in certain areas. Some people are a little bit tougher in other areas. So I think that that's another thing that's, you know, again, where if people can sit with it, they can kind of find and it is the uncomfortable thing. So what is another, you know, another thing that we've always heard is about hydration, right? If you're dehydrated and you think you're hungry, it could be that you're actually thirsty. So is that something that you, you know, talk about? Is it something that you practice? I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I, I, I drink uh, fluids all throughout the day. It's super important. So and I'm amazed too when I think I'm hungry, and I drink a glass of water. And I'm like, Oh, I'm not really hungry anymore. <laughs> so absolutely super, super important. And I also want to give your listeners a little um, thing they can do if they're if this idea of having emotions, you know, or emotional eating is new for them. Um, a couple things that I can offer 
are. One is something I call the PEP test. And PEP is an acronym. And this is a way, I mean, we know what food does to us, but this is a way for looking at kind of a reframe and looking at what it does for us. So PEP, P-E-P is an acronym. And so if somebody goes to the refrigerator like five times of an evening and and, and they want to sort of see what's going on, the first P stands for painkiller. So we use food, we stuff ourselves because of pain. It's a great anesthetic, you know, especially the carbs and the sugar. So we use food to shut that down. We don't usually binge on salads. Okay, let's be clear. So it's the heavier foods. It kills the pain and it does a good job like temporarily. So, so we can ask yourself, like, is there something uncomfortable or something that, you know, I don't want to feel the second, the E in PEP stands for escape because sometimes reality gets really uncomfortable and, and something we don't want to be a part of this happened in the pandemic. Like I had more people calling me and saying, Trish, I'm an emotional eater. And I never knew it, you know, during the pandemic, because all of a sudden you could walk out of your house and, and die, you know? And so all of a sudden our, our reality was so, you know, horrible. I mean, it was really, everybody got up, you know, everybody's lives got turned upside down. So people were emotionally eating. So we use food as a form of escape, especially if we're worried or afraid. It's just a really good escape, you know, get my, get my goodies, you know, my salty and my sweet and my TV. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> um, the third one stands, the third P or the letter uh, in PEP stands for punishment, which is a little counterintuitive because we think of our snacks or as a reward, right? My ooey gooey chewy foods were a reward, but I was hardly rewarding myself when I'd go overboard. I'd stuff myself. I'd feel sick. I'd be mad at myself. I'd, I'd have crumbs down my shirt, you know, and I, and I just would feel gross. That was not a reward. Like it started as a reward, like intentioned, you know, for a reward, but then it ended up being a punishment. And I did abuse my body with foods. Like I ate foods that were, I knew weren't good for me. I knew were going to hurt my gut, give me inflammation, you know, give me a headache, whatever. But I would eat them anyway to excess. And it begs the question, like, what, what am I feeling bad about? And what am I punishing myself over? You know, and I find that overeaters tend to be overfeelers and we feel guilty about everything. And so it just sort of, you know, it starts as a painkiller or, or, or an escape, but then it does have this punishing element. And so it just is really important, again, to start digging into that. What is that about? Um, and so if somebody, I just like to offer that little pep test, like take the pep test. Is it a painkiller, an escape or a punishment? Because then you can start seeing the, the connection between your emotions and food. And I think that's really, really important for people. And the other thing is not everybody, you know, took it to the depths that I took it to. Like I was really food addicted. Like I would have massive binges and then it would take me down the rabbit hole where I could gain 10 pounds in two weeks, you know, and, and feel terrible. Um, not everybody goes there, you know, but I find that emotional eating is a good umbrella term because I feel like we all have the propensity to go overboard. You know, it can happen. So I see it as a spectrum. Like we're all emotional eating, eaters, but not everybody's a food addict. And I do have a, a quiz that people can take, again, if this is a new concept for them, to, and they can learn if they're an emotional eater or a food addict or somewhere in between. So it's a free quiz on my website that'll help people kind of figure out where they are on that spectrum. Because I think we're all there, but not everybody, again, takes it to the depths that I did, but, but many do. Stay tuned for a quick message from my sponsor. 
Hi, my name is Shari Hodes, and I'm the president of Aura Limited, a proud all-women-owned brand marketing and global sourcing agency. Simply put, we provide fashion-forward swag for any and all of your branding needs. Please visit us at www.auralimitedspelledout.com. Right. I love that. Thank you so much. So I, I want to go back for a second because as my brain started thinking now, what, so you started this journey, you know, obviously for a long time, did you turn this into a business right away or were you in the corporate world kind of doing this on the side? Because, you know, I have listeners that will say like, I, this is one of the things I want them to do is really think about their passion. Think about something they're good at. Think about something they love. Is that something that they can turn into a business, especially if they're in a job that they don't love and they just are showing up every day and kind of going through the motions of life? Um, that, again, is going to be something that, you know, kind of ties in with this, because if you're just going through the emotion, people are like, oh, meaning out of boredom because there's nothing really fueling their excitement in life. So I would love for you just to and I know we're going to we're kind of going around this little bend here. But what what did you do? Were you in the corporate world? Or was this always something that you followed? You know, I I did do my work. Actually, for a long time, I did it for free with my mentor. We tried to help people for free. And then we realized <laughs> people, people were like, are you crazy? And we're like, no, it's our mission. It's what we want to do. We love doing it. But then we realized people didn't get as much benefit when they didn't pay for it. Well, when they don't put skin in the game, right? If someone doesn't put skin in the game, it's not, it's not the same. Absolutely. So we're super idealistic. I was an entrepreneur earlier on, but it was I was more in sales and marketing um, for a long time. Not, I was never a corporate person. I just don't think I'm made that way. But so I did sales and marketing and I did this really as a, a mission on the side to help people with addictions in general, not just eating. But, um, then I, uh, I, I don't remember when it was, but I worked with my mentor. We started, uh, trying to work online. I wanted to work online because I just think online is amazing. You can reach people all over the world. You know, you can impact more people in less time through the internet. So my mentor was not on board with that. We worked together and, and ultimately we parted ways because, um, he really wanted to work with people in person. And I just had this business mind and like, that's not scalable, you know? And so that's how heal your hunger came about is that I really, um, I wanted, first of all, to focus on emotional eating and not addictions in general, you know, the riches are in the niches. And so I wanted to do emotional eating and it really was my passion. So I honestly tried to walk away from it for a year. Um, about six years ago, I stopped working with my partner, you know, my mentor, my partner stopped working with him. And then I just threw up my hands. I'm like, screw it all. I don't want to help anybody. And I went and I, I, I painted, I became an artist for a year <laughs> and, um, totally walked away until I realized my calling was not art. And, you know, I, I should leave that to people who are more talented. And, and then I, I heard, like, I, I answered the call. Like I, I, my passion was emotional eating. That's my jam. That's what I know. That's what I do. I've done it for so long, you know, and I started Heal Your Hunger, you know, following that passion. I started with my podcast, The Heal Your Hunger Show. Then I wrote my book. Then I created a course, you know, and, and it's just been flying ever since. And like you said, you know, it, it, that getting on your dime, getting aligned with what you really feel like is, is your calling and what you're, you're here to do and who you're here to serve, man, I've never been happier. I wake up every day, happy, alive, just like breaking out, you know, uh, and, and, and I'm just, 
I have this amazing, you know, joie de vivre because I'm on my dime. So I love what you're saying. And it's true. When you have a sense of purpose, it does fulfill you. It's so, so important. But you have to make sure that you know how to manage the stress. Otherwise, you'll be an entrepreneur that overeats and, you know, into, into the hours of late hours of the night. And that's going to be at cross purposes with having energy, feeling alive and feel like feeling like you're showing up as your best self. I love that. Thank you for kind of painting that picture. So then that brings me to, cause a lot of my listeners, um, I have children, right? So someone might be sitting there listening, thinking, Oh my gosh, am I creating an emotional eater? Right. You know, when they, you know, especially nowadays in school, like, you know, your kid comes home. Oh, I got a lollipop. I'm like, why'd you get a lollipop? I, I got an A on my test. All right. Well, and I would always kind of say, well, you're not a dog. You don't, I shouldn't be, they shouldn't be giving you treats. Right. And so, but it is something that in society we do, it is, it's like, Oh, and I remember, you know, my kids growing up and I tried not to do it. And then there was times where it was, it was like, Oh, we're having people over. Let's make this, or let's do this, or let's have a dessert or let's, you know, just for, cause we're happy or, Oh, now we're, you know, now we're sad and we're still doing it. So there's a very fine line when you're raising children and, and teaching them, the balance. And so I would love because of fad diets and it's all about like, Oh, don't, you know, don't add too many carbs. Don't do this. Don't do that. Take things out. I would love for you to touch on my listeners that have children. And if there's some tools that they can start right now, like, and to see, okay, you know what? I think my child is maybe going down that path. How can I help them? Yeah, it's so tough. My sister has twins and, um, and one of them is an overeater, you know, not both, but one of them is and hides snacks at night. Like she, she, my sister knows when she's binged on sugar, you know, it shows up on her face. Her, she's in a really bad mood. You know, it's a, it's a problem, you know, and we are, you know, an addicted nation. And a, and a sugared nat- nation as well. And sugar is highly addictive. So it's hard. You know, you walk that fine line. You don't want to give them an eating disorder by restricting or holding things back, you know. And so it's it's really tough. And I will just say the best thing somebody can do as a mom is be a power of example. You know, you, you really, it's really touchy to try to control your kid's food, you know, and it's just sugars everywhere. So I, I don't recommend being restricting. Um, with them. But at the same time, you can have, you know, snacks in your house, like you said, in your house that are healthier, you know, um, at least better options for them. Um, And you can sort of talk to them about checking in with themselves. Are they really hungry? Do they really need seconds? Or, you know, is it more that they're, you know, just uncomfortable or, or looking for something to do or whatever? So asking those questions about kind of helping them check in with themselves, it's just a good thing to do, you know, is just learn how to check in with your body. But beyond that, it's just really important that as moms, you know, uh, we check in and, and look at our own habits, like, cause kids are smart and they're super observant, you know, they don't miss a beat. So if we're medicating with food, if we use food as a crutch, you know, that's what we're teaching our kids. And so the best we can do is work on our own, uh, habits around food so that, you know, our kids will observe that. And also there is a level at which, you know, and I'm not a mom, so, um, I, I, I have high respect for mothers, but, um, I will say that, um, there's an element of surrender, I think, in being a parent where you can't control everything your kid does. And it's kind of a, it's a spiritual lesson, right? Like where, God, I want them to do this and they won't. And, and I can't make them, you know, I can't make them. And one of my best, 
my favorite sayings of all time came from my mentor. And he said, God doesn't have any grandchildren which means I'm not their higher power. You know, everybody comes into this, this, you know, into this plane of existence with their own higher power, their own God guiding them. And, and we just have to pray that they get the guidance they need and they, you know, make the healthy choices. Um, but ultimately we have to surrender that, you know, and let them have their journey. Right. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Trisha, can you shout out to everyone where they can find you and how they can follow up? You bet. Um, my website is healyourhunger.com, H-E-A-L, healyourhunger.com. And you can take that free quiz, the emotional eating quiz, and get your personalized score of where you're, you're an emotional eater or a food addict on that website. Um, you can also access my podcast, um, The Heal Your Hunger Show, through my website. What else? My book. There's a link for my book, which is called Heal Your Hunger, uh, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. And I also have it on Audible, so you can listen to my books like a five-hour listen or read, if you will. And also I'm on Instagram at Trisha Nelson underscore. So underscore at the last N and Nelson. Awesome. And my listeners know this will all be in the show notes, but thank you for joining your next stop and sharing your journey and just giving us a little insight. Because once again, this is what I want my listeners to know that like everything does not have to be traditional, right? You know, some people do corporate, some people are entrepreneurs, but also there's a niche for most everyone. And if you are following your path, and they've heard me say this so many times, whether you believe in the universe, whether you believe in God, but we all have a path. And some of us don't find it because we don't slow down enough to kind of listen and touch in with ourselves or listen to what's happening around us, hearing the cues, listening to friends, um, just being in our environment. So I appreciate you coming on your next stop and sharing your story. Thank you so much, Trisha. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thanks for the wonderful work that you do to guide so many women in finding their path. Thank you. Guys, you know what to do if you like what you heard. Share, rate, and review. Check out Trisha's podcast. Do the same. This is how we get our stories out there more. It's for more people that are sharing. So if this resonated with you, send it to a couple of friends. Say, hey, this might resonate. You know, it might not resonate with you, but you might have a neighbor or you might have a sister or an aunt or a mom or a dad or someone in your life that I'm sure is overeating or struggling with something that this episode will help and that will resonate with them. So please, again, share, rate, and review. And um, again, thank you so much, Trisha. And we will see you guys next week with another person that has followed a passion and turned it into a business. I hope you liked this episode of Your Next Stop. Please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends, and join in each week.